The following story is certified grim for adult themes and scenes of extreme violence and may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello there and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a brother's grim tale. My name is Matthew Hughes and with me on this journey is my co-host Mr Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading... Little Snow White! So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading! Once upon a time, in the middle of winter, when the flakes of snow were falling like feathers from the sky, a queen sat at a window sewing, and the frame of the window was made of black ebony. And while she was sewing and looking out of the window at the snow, she pricked her finger with the needle, and three drops of blood fell upon the snow. And the red looked pretty upon the white snow, and she thought to herself, If only I had a child as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as the wood of the window frame. Soon after that she had a little daughter, who was as white as snow, and as red as blood, and her hair was as black as ebony and she was therefore called Little Snow White. And when the child was born, the queen died. Whoa, that's taking me on quite the roller coaster already. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, I like it, very descriptive, very descriptive. After a year had passed, the king took another wife. She was a beautiful woman, but proud and haughty, and she could not bear that anyone else should surpass her in beauty. She had a wonderful looking glass, And when she stood in front of it and looked at herself in it, and said, Looking glass, looking glass, on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? The looking glass answered, You, O queen, are the fairest of all. Then she was satisfied, for she knew that the looking glass spoke the truth. Does it speak the truth, though? (laughs) Yeah. It does. It does, she is. cannot lie. Cannot lie. She is the fairest of them all. What about Snow White? Well, at the moment, Snow White's a bit too young, Adam, but I see. she's growing up and she grew more and more beautiful. Uh-oh. And uh, when she was seven years old, she was as beautiful as the day and more beautiful than the queen herself. Okay, so she's... You were, t- you were a tiny bit premature. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to wait till she was seven. Seven, yeah. Seven, of course. That's a reasonable age. Okay, she's as beautiful as the day, but the... Yeah. Her and the day are both a bit more beautiful than the queen. Is that right? Well, it's not clear if the queen is more beautiful than the day, but we know that Snow White is more beautiful than the day and the queen. But the queen might be also more beautiful than the day. She might, yeah. Good to get this right, yeah. No, really, this is the important stuff (laughs) that we're um, (laughs) drilling down into already. (laughs) So Snow White's grown up and she's very beautiful, more beautiful than the queen. And once, when the queen asked her looking glass, looking glass, looking glass on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? It answered, You are fairer than all who are here, lady queen, but more beautiful still is Snow White, as I ween. As I ween? According to me, basically, as I see it. Oh, okay. way I see it, queen. She's more beautiful than you. As he weans. He's weaned it. (laughs) He weaned it out the park, mate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a solid ween. <laughs> it's a beautiful <laughs> ween. 
He's weaned it good. Okay. <laughs> oh, that boy. So, it's official now. The mirror's weaned it. They're well weaned. And then the queen was shocked and turned yellow and green with envy. <laughs> yellow and green. <laughs> what sort of marble? Sort of mottled colour. What a strange sight. From that time, whenever she looked at Snow White, her heart heaved in her breast. She hated the girl so much. Mm. Envy and pride grew higher and higher in her heart like a weed, so that she had no peace day or night. So she called a hunter and said, Take away the child into the forest. I will no longer have her in my sight. Kill her and bring me back her heart as a token. The hunter obeyed and took her away. Oh, this is not looking good for Snow White. Yeah, no, it's not looking good. But when he had drawn his knife and was about to pierce Snow White's innocent heart, she began to weep and said, Ah, dear hunter, spare me my life. I will run away into the wild forest and never come home again. And as she was so beautiful, the hunter had pity on her and said, Run away then, you poor child. The wild beast will soon devour you, thought he. And yet it seemed as if a stone had been rolled from his heart, since he no longer needed to kill her. What? The, the morality of this guy is all over the shop. <laughs> it's He's like, like oh, I've done a good thing. <laughs> yeah, he went home at the end of the day like, yeah. I, I totally crushed it today. It's like, I'll kill your, do- uh, your, um, your stepdaughter. Yeah, wait. She's very good looking though. Maybe I'll let her go. She'll be killed anyway. Oh, well, there we go. Like, what? I feel so much better about myself now. <laughs> yeah. He's slept like a baby that night. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, he's let her go. And as a young boar just came running by, he stabbed it and cut out its heart and took it to the queen as proof that the child was dead. I see. The cook had to salt this, and the wicked queen ate it and thought she had eaten the heart of Snow White. Whoa, 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 whoa. She didn't just want proof. She no. wanted to eat it. Cannibalism, Adam. What? <laughs> okay. Technically not cannibalism, but she thought... Attempted can- cannibalism. Yeah, attempted. attempted cannibalism yeah, yeah. and attempted murdering of your own child. We're off to a flying start. Oh, absolutely. I expected nothing less. But now the poor child was all alone in the great forest and so terrified that she looked at every leaf of every tree. <laughs> that's going to take ages. <laughs> and did not know what to do. <laughs> well, that's probably a good way to start, start counting the leaves. Then she began to run and ran over sharp stones and through thorns and the wild beasts ran past her but did no harm to her. Ooh. She ran as far as her feet would go until it was almost evening. Then she saw a little cottage and went into it to rest. Everything in the cottage was small, but neater and cleaner than you can imagine. There was a table on which was a white cover and seven little plates, and on each plate a little spoon. Moreover, there were seven little knives and forks and seven little mugs. Against the wall stood seven little beds side by side and covered with snow-white bedspreads. How adorable. Isn't that cute? Wonder, wonder who lives at this cottage. I like Snow White bedspreads. It sounds like that's copyrighted. <laughs> Do you think she walked in there and there were seven little beds with uh, her face on the duvet? And she's like, uh... <laughs> oh, that's a very different creepy story. <laughs> oh man, and yeah, she's in this. She's in this weird little cute cottage. Wow. And uh, little Snow White was so hungry and thirsty that she ate some vegetables and bread from each plate and drank a drop of wine out of each mug, for she did not wish to take all from only one. Then, as she was so tired, she laid herself down on each of the little beds, but none of them suited her. One was too long, another too short, but at last she found that the seventh one was right, and so she remained in it, said a prayer, and went to sleep. 
Why one's too long? Yeah. Okay. I I, I guess I'm not supposed to know who. Can a bed be too long? Well, it can't really, can it? Oh, I cannot sleep in this bed. It's too long. <laughs> it makes me feel really small. I don't like it. Uh, oh, great. When it was quite dark, the owners of the cottage came back. They were seven dwarfs who dug and delved into the mountains for ore. They lit their seven candles, and now that the cottage was lit, they saw that someone had been there, for everything was not in the same order in which they had left it. It's the dwarves, Adam. The dwarves. The, the actual dwarves seven here. dwarves. Actual seven dwarves. So the dwarves are in, back in the house, and everything is weird and different. The first dwarf said, Who's been sitting on my chair? The second, Who's been eating off my plate? The third, Who's taking some of my bread? The fourth said, <laughs> are they all, Have they all got regional accents? I love it. <laughs> I can't wait for you to get down towards sort of like five, six, seven. Yeah, that's going to be great. It's going to get painful. <laughs> Just I'm trying to keep it. it interesting. I'm loving it. It was great. Great choice. The fourth said, who's been eating my vegetables? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, I can't do. I no, can't do great. that accent. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Oh, no. Yes, you can. The fifth said, who has been using my fork? <laughs> okay. The sixth okay. said, Who's been cutting with my knife? <laughs> and the seventh said, Who's been drinking out of my mug? Where's that last door from? <laughs> it's from just outside of Taunton. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Gotcha. gotcha. Or, or from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Brilliant. Then the first looked round and saw that there was a little hole in his bed and said, Who's been getting into my bed? The others came up and each called out, Someone's been lying in my bed too. But the seventh, when he looked at his bed, saw little Snow White, who was lying asleep in it. And he called the others, who came running up, and they cried out with astonishment, and brought their seven little candles, and let the light fall on little Snow White. Oh heavens, oh heavens, cried they, what a lovely child! And they were so glad that they did not wake her up, but let her sleep in the bed. And the seventh dwarf slept with his companions, one hour with each, so he got through the night. <laughs> <laughs> I love that detail. What is that? Well, I haven't got a bed now. You can't share with me all night. Okay, I'll do an hour each. When it was morning, little Snow White awoke and was frightened when she saw the seven dwarfs. But they were friendly and asked her what her name was. My name is Snow White, she answered. How have you come to our house? said the dwarfs. Then she told them that her stepmother had wished to have her killed but that the hunter had spared her life and that she had to run for the whole day until at last she had found their dwelling. The dwarf said, If you'll take care of our house, cook, make the beds, wash, sew and knit, and if you'll keep everything neat and clean, you can stay with us and you shall want for nothing. Yes, said Snow White, with all my heart. And she stayed with them. She kept the house in order for them. In the mornings they went to the mountains and looked for copper and gold, and in the evenings they came back and then their supper had to be ready. The girl was alone the whole day, so the good dwarves warned her and said, Beware of your stepmother, for she will soon know that you're here. Be sure to let no one come in. But the queen, believing that she had eaten Snow White's heart, was certain that she was again the first and most beautiful of all. And she went to her looking glass and Ooh. said, Looking glass, looking glass on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? And the glass answered, 
O queen, you are fairest of all I see, but over the hills where the seven dwarfs dwell, Snow White is still alive and well, and none is so fair as she. Whoa. Then she was astounded, for she knew that the looking glass never spoke falsely, and she knew that the hunter had betrayed her, and that little Snow White was still alive. Dun dun dun. And so she thought and thought again how she might kill her. For so long as she was not the fairest in the whole land, envy let her have no rest. And when she had at last thought of something to do, she painted her face and dressed herself like an old peddler, and no one could have known her. In this disguise, she went over the seven mountains to the seven dwarfs, and knocked at the door and cried, Pretty things to sell, very cheap, very cheap. Little Snow White looked out the window and called out, Good day, my good woman. What have you to sell? Good things, pretty things, she answered. Laces of all colours. And she pulled out one which was woven of bright coloured silk. I may let the worthy old woman in, thought Snow White. She unbolted the door and bought the pretty laces. Listen to the dwarves. Child, said the old woman. What a fright you look. Come, I'll lace you properly for once. Snow White had no suspicion, but stood before her and let herself be laced with the new laces. But the old woman laced so quickly and so tightly that Snow White lost her breath and fell down as if dead. No. Now I'm the most beautiful, said the queen to herself, and ran away. She didn't check for a pulse. She just ran out the door. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! Did a little cartwheel. I did it. I laced her good. I laced her real good. (laughs) I laced you real good. And then she ran out. (laughs) How do you like them laces? (laughs) (laughs) And she backflipped out the door. You've been punked! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not long afterwards, in the evening, the seven dwarfs came home, but were shocked Mm. when they saw their dear little Snow White lying on the ground, and that she neither stirred nor moved, and seemed to be dead. They lifted her up, and they saw that she was laced too tightly. They cut the laces, and then she began to breathe a little, and after a while came to life again. Yes, she's not dead. Yeah, she's not dead, Adam. Woohoo! That was a close shave, though. What does it mean she got laced? Is she a giant shoe? Like, what what do you mean she got laced up? (laughs) They didn't have zips back then. So I guess it's some sort of like back lace to lace up your dress. Oh, I see, I see. I don't know. (laughs) Is she a shoe? (laughs) I think that's my favourite quote of the episode. When the dwarfs heard what had happened, they said, The old peddler was none other than the wicked queen. Take care and let no one come in when we're not with you. But the wicked woman, when she'd reached home, went in front of the glass and asked, Looking glass, looking glass on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? And it answered as before, O queen, you are the fairest of all I see, but over the hills where the seven dwarfs dwell, Snow White is still alive and well, and none is so fair as she. Ouch. That's got a sting. I love the way that he always starts by saying, you're the best looking person I can see, like, She's the only person you can see. Like that is that is damning with faint praise if ever I've heard it. You're beautiful to me. <laughs> You're the most beautiful person, yeah, in this room. When she heard that, all her blood rushed to her heart with fear, for she saw Uh-oh. plainly that little Snow White was again alive. But now, she said, I will think of something that will put an end to you. And by the help of witchcraft, which she understood, she made a poisonous comb. Then she disguised herself and took the shape of another old woman. So she went over the seven mountains to the seven dwarfs, knocked at the door and cried, Good things to sell, cheap, cheap. Little Snow White looked out and said, Go away. I cannot let anyone come in. Good, 
good. I suppose you can look, said the old woman, and pulled out the poisonous comb and held it up. It pleased the girl so well that she let herself be fooled and opened the door. For a comb? <laughs> Come on, you've got to raise your standards a bit of what you get excited by. Raise your game, Snow White. <laughs> I know you're seven. But, yeah, um, <laughs> but come on, you can do better than a comb. When they had struck a bargain, so they haggled a bit, and they struck a bargain, and the old woman oh, that's said... that's a bit dear, I think. Uh, oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> it's very poorly made, I would... No, 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 this is top quality stuff, top quality stuff. <laughs> Don't, you won't find a better comb this side of the forest. No, nah, look at that, it's flimsy, flimsy old tat. <laughs> look, at the, look at the bristles on that, look at that. <laughs> look at the action on those bristles. <laughs> Well, that's exactly how the conversation went down. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I'm just skipping that part. But they, uh, they've, reached, they've reached an agreement. Yeah, yeah, they got a good price. And the old woman said, Oh, now I'll comb you properly for once. Because Snow White's hair is a mess. And poor little Snow White had no suspicion and let the old woman do as she pleased. But hardly had she put the comb in her hair than the poison in it took effect and the girl fell down senseless. You paragon of beauty, said the wicked woman. You are done for good. And she went away. Uh-oh. How do you like that comb? <laughs> yeah. Combed you real good. <laughs> Not checking her pulse. No. <laughs> but fortunately, it was almost evening when the seven dwarves came home. When they saw Snow White lying as if dead upon the ground, they at once suspected the stepmother, and they looked and found the poison comb. Scarcely had they taken it out, when Snow White came to and told them what had happened. She left the murder weapon in her hair. At the scene of the crime, yeah. And like, as soon as you take it out, it like, deactivates. The, <laughs> the yeah. poison just goes, <laughs> and she comes to. Brilliant. Pretty cheap magic, really. That is, yeah, it's not yeah. great. She needs to up her game as well. She really does. <laughs> yeah. Then the dwarves warned her once more to be upon her guard and to open the door to no one. Yeah. The queen, at home, went in front of the glass and said, Looking glass, looking glass, on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? Then it answered as before, O oh, queen, you are the fairest of all I see, but over the hills where the seven dwarfs dwell, Snow White is still alive and well, and none is so fair as she. When she heard the glass speak, she trembled and shook with rage. Snow White shall die, she cried, even if it costs me my life. Well, but that... It's extreme, yeah. <laughs> that does, doesn't it? Yeah. With that, she went into a quite secret, lonely room where no one ever came, and there she made a very poisonous apple. Outside, it looked pretty, white with a red cheek, so that everyone who saw it longed for it, but whoever ate a piece of it must surely die. A white apple? <laughs> with a red cheek, yeah. With a red cheek. Premium stuff. I don't know if I'd want to eat that apple. No, I just told you, Adam, everyone who looks at it longed for it. Oh, okay? I'm sorry. So you do want that apple. Oh, okay? God, yeah, I do want the apple. What but don't eat it, Adam, because you'll die. Okay. <laughs> but it's white with a red cheek. When the apple was ready, she painted her face and dressed herself up as a country woman. And so she went over the seven mountains to the seven dwarfs. She knocked at the door. I'm a country woman. <laughs> Snow White put her head out of the window and said, I cannot let anyone in. The seven dwarfs have forbidden me. Well, it's all the same to me, answered the woman. I shall soon get rid of my apples. Here, here, I'll give you one. No, said Snow White. I, I dare not take anything. Oh, are you afraid of poison? said the old woman. Oh, look, 
I'll cut the apple in two pieces. You eat the red cheek and I'll eat the white. The apple was so cunningly made that only the red cheek was poisoned. Oh, I see. Snow White longed for the fine apple. And when she saw that the old woman ate part of it, she could resist no longer and stretched out her hand and took the poisonous half. But hardly had she taken a bite than she fell down dead. Oh, she's actually dead this time. Dead. Dead. As a doornail. No. Yeah. Because it was a very poisonous apple. How do you like them apples? <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. There we go. It all paid off. It did it pay all off. Paid off. How'd you like them apples? She said, How'd you like them apples, Snow White? <laughs> and then she was like, Wait, it works. And she went away clicking her heels. <laughs> then the queen looked at her with a dreadful look and laughed aloud and said, How'd you like them apples? No. <laughs> Absolute psychopath. <laughs> and said, White as snow, red as blood, black as ebony wood. This time the dwarves cannot wake you up again. And when she asked the looking glass at home, Looking glass, looking glass on the wall, Who in this land is the fairest of all? It answered at last, O queen, in this land you are fairest of all. Then her envious heart had rest, so far as an envious heart can have rest. Well, yeah, no rest for the wicked. It's done it, man. Snow White's dead. What? That's not supposed to happen. How are you coping with the news? Not very well. Although I think if I was the seven, one of the seven dwarves, yeah. at this point I would expect to come home to find <laughs> Snow White <laughs> laying on the floor. So what's she done this time? Come on, get up. Come on. <laughs> come on. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> surprise, surprise. She's on the floor again. Oh no, but the dwarves... When they came home in the evening, they found Snow White lying on the ground and she breathed no longer and was dead. No. Yeah. This cannot be. They lifted her up, looked at her to see whether they could find anything poisonous, unlaced her, combed her hair, washed her with water and wine, but it was all of no use. Wine? The poor child was dead and remained (laughs) dead. She remained dead. She did. Even after the wine bath. They laid her upon a bier. And all seven of them... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what do you mean upon a beer? It's a um, little... It's like a little wooden frame on wheels that you put coffins on. It's a thing. Oh, okay. B-I-E-R. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, okay. That makes a lot more sense than what I was like trying to later picture. on an ice-cold brew. <laughs> if the wine didn't work, this will, this will sort you right out. No, there wasn't a northern dwarf, Adam. <laughs> okay. Well, Scotland's quite far north. So they've laid her on the beer, and they all sat round and they wept for three Aww. days. For three days? Yeah. Non-stop crying. <sighs> Dehydrated. <laughs> they need a beer. <laughs> I need a beer. Oh, wait, what did you put her on the beer for? I needed that. And then they were going to bury her. But she looked as if she were alive, and she still had her pretty red cheeks. And so they said, we could not bury her in the dark ground. And they had a transparent coffin of glass made so that she could be seen from all sides. And they laid her in it and in golden letters wrote upon it her name and that she was a king's daughter. Then they put the coffin up upon the mountain and one of them always stayed by it and watched it. Oh, and wow. birds came too and wept for Snow White. First an owl, then a raven and at last a dove. Aww. And now Snow White lay a long, long time in the coffin and she did not change but looked as if she were asleep. For she was as white as snow, as red as blood, and her hair was as black as ebony. It happened, however, that a king's son came into the forest, 
and went to the dwarf's house to spend the night. Hey guys, it's me. <laughs> it's me. Oh, not him again. Guess who's back? <laughs> Trying to high five them, yeah. He saw the coffin on the mountain and the beautiful Snow White inside it and read what was written upon it in gold letters. Then he said to the dwarfs, Oh, let me have the coffin. I'll give you whatever you want for it. But the dwarfs answered, We'll not part with it for all the gold in the world. And then he said, Well, let me have it as a gift, for I cannot live without seeing Snow White. I will honour and prize her as my dearest possession. As he spoke in this way, the good dwarfs took pity upon him and gave him the coffin. This is not good, is it? <laughs> for what? Giving, giving yeah, the coffin She's not away. your possession, mate. Snow White. Yeah, that's, that is weird, isn't it? Calling her, literally calling her a possession. Yeah. Mm. But he's got her, and now the king's son had it carried away by his servants on their shoulders. So they're carrying Snow White's glass coffin on their shoulders. Yeah. And it happened that they stumbled over a tree stump, and with the shock, the poisonous piece of apple which Snow White had bitten off came out of her throat. And before long, she opened her eyes, lifted up the lid of the coffin, sat up, and was once more alive. Oh, heavens, where am I? <laughs> she cried. At which point they dropped the coffin out of fright and <laughs> she fell to the ground. The king's son, full of joy, said, You are with me, and told her what had happened and said, I love you more than anything in the world. Come with me to my father's palace. You shall be my wife. And Snow White was willing and went with him and their wedding was held with great show and splendour. Snow White's stepmother was also invited to the wedding feast. Oh, this is awkward. When she dressed herself in beautiful clothes, she went before the looking glass and said, Looking glass, looking glass on the wall, who in the land is the fairest of all? But the glass answered, O oh, queen, of all here the fairest is you, but the young queen is fairer by far, it's true. Then the <sighs> wicked woman uttered a curse and was so miserable, so utterly miserable, that she knew not what to do. At first, she would not go to the wedding at all, but she had no peace and must go to see the young queen. And when she went in, she knew Snow White, and she stood still with rage and fear and could not stir. But iron slippers had already been put upon the fire, and they were brought in with tongs and set before her. Then she was forced to put on the red-hot shoes and dance until she dropped down dead. The end. Did you add a bit at the end, or what? What was that? What was that? She was forced to dance to death in red hot iron shoes. I did not make that up. I did not add that. What? That's how the story ends. But, but what? But that, I just that is how you end a story. You make the villain <laughs> dance to death in red hot iron shoes. Can you even imagine? <laughs> dance for me. <laughs> Oh, gosh. This is awful. <laughs> I mean, she had it coming, right? But, like... Mm. So they knew she was coming. They knew who she was as a Yeah, guest. they sent her out an invite. And, and they were like, let's invite her to the wedding, but we'll all watch her die. 
which is the conversation presumably they had. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he's like, now before we get married, is there anything special you want on the day? Yeah, is there any kind of, you know, particular kind of flower anyone you want to invite? Well, do you have any iron slippers, perchance? Iron uh, slippers, yeah. I've got a big finale planned. <laughs> wow. Yeah. They, they were obviously cooking them in the oven, sort of heating them up all yeah, the while. Yeah, yeah. That's dark, Pop isn't it? Put your iron slippers in at uh, <laughs> 230 degrees for 35 minutes. <laughs> Not a great way to go. Yeah. Grizzly. That is grizzly. So is that what you expected we've heard snow white it's one of the most famous yeah. stories in the collection is it is it what you expected well so it's funny isn't it it's obviously really famous but again my memory of it was still quite vague like mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. obviously i was the big one i was expecting the seven dwarves so glad they showed up that's that's number Tick. one that's that's key um terrible stepmother you know um what's it what's it do they call them evil stepmother? No. Yeah, e- the ev- evil stepmother queen. Yeah. Yeah. I was expecting her, so tick there. Brilliant. I had actually forgotten about it, but then I remembered as it happened, the old poison apple stuck in the throat coming yeah. out. Like, yeah, that's all there. As an old woman as well, you know, selling her the apple. Yes. Yeah. So all of those key bits were there. The, mm-hmm. the looking glass, obviously, with... Yeah, I guess it's the the Disney version we're familiar with. I guess we might be coming on to this, but mirror, mirror on the wall. Well, exactly. Um, I mean, I I was in some way surprised that it had the uh, the mirror, mirror on the wall. Yeah, thing. yeah, that was I mean, properly looking in there. glass, not mirror, but still, it's properly. It's like you say, it's properly in there. Yeah, and you mentioned Disney. I guess that's the elephant in the room. Which sure. I, I'll address it now. Go for it. Of course, this story is in very much in the shadow of the Disney film. Yeah. Now, like our series finale last year, which was Sleeping Beauty, this kind of puts us in a slightly awkward position, as I'm guessing you haven't seen it, recently at least. No. Nor, okay, nor have I. So if anyone's listening to this to get some uh, Disney chat, then you should probably switch off the podcast now, because it's not going to happen. But I thought, like last year, we could, after this, if you're up for it, we could watch the film, and then we could give it a review in our patron podcast, Grim Fables, over the summer. How's that I sound? I think that's an excellent idea. So we can park, we can kind of park Disney for now, and just sort of focus on the uh, the fairy the tale. actual Brothers Grimm fairy tale. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think that's a good plan of attack. But I think one interesting thing to say, actually, just quickly before we park Disney, is that um, the Disney film is called Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yeah. Whereas this is called Little Snow White. I think it was almost like a marketing thing as well. Like the dwarfs were pushed up the billing in a way yeah, because yeah, they're, sure. they, they're fun characters. But yeah, that's just, that's just a little Disney tidbit for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, true. I mean, I can see it though because the, the other elements of the fairy tale are mm. very similar to, I guess in a lot of ways, to other fairy tales that we've read. But oh, seven, yeah. the seven dwarves, mm-hmm. you know, the Snow White living with the seven dwarves is quite, like, I think if... If I were going to make a kids animated film with that, I probably mm. would focus on that bit because that's probably the most interesting bit. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, oh, you're onto it straight away, Adam. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities with other stories we've already read. Yeah. And just for anyone new, we don't read ahead. We only read the stories we kind of picked. So we're kind of discovering these fresh. But of stories we've already read, there's a lot we've already come across before. 
But I, I think the first thing to say is, you know, yeah, as you were saying, we're in full-on classic fairy tale mode here. So we've got yeah. wicked stepmother. Yeah. A beautiful young persecuted princess. Yeah. Being abandoned in the woods. Yeah. Swapping the organs. Attempted cannibalism. Fun, peculiar, magical helpers. A completely bland Prince Charming. Our second one. Yeah. We don't come across those particularly Boo. often, so it's nice to see him. <laughs> We've got the rule of three as well. You know, the, um, she comes the three queen times. comes to visit her yeah, three yeah. times. And some extremely violent punishment. Yes. So we're in full-on classic fairy tale mode. Yeah, it hits so many marks. And then in terms of it being similar to other tales, as you were saying, we've got very specific motifs that we've seen before. So just off the top of my head, wishing for a red and white child, we've seen that already in the juniper tree. Yes. Didn't yes. whisk for hair as black as ebony, but... No, in fact, it did make me think, basically, that the first thing that happened in the story, she basically wanted a child that's black and white and red. And then I was just thinking, okay, what's black, white and red all over? It's, it's Snow White. <laughs> nice. The answer to the old joke. What's black and white and red all over? Snow White. Snow obviously. White, obviously. <laughs> Substituting the victim's organs for animals' organs. We've seen that a couple of times. The trying out of the beds was cool because that made me think of Goldilocks and the Goldilocks Three Bears. And three Where is that from? We are going slightly outside our remit there, Adam. That is from English fairy I tales and folklore. Felt like an English one, yeah. Pricking the finger and the enchanted sleep as well and being woken up by the prince. This time last year, Sleeping Beauty. Bingo. Yeah. So lots of other fairy tales we can see in there. Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, our old pal Joseph Jacobs, who uh, he collected English fairy tales in the um, Victorian era, um, he, he wrote, I have a quote from him, he wrote about this story... Certainly, almost every one of the incidents can be paralleled in other sets of folktales. So Snow White is kind of, it's quite amorphous, really. It's quite easy to deconstruct it. But I wouldn't go so far as to say that it's like a mashup of other stories, because it's Snow White. It's one of the most famous stories in the world. But it, yeah. I think it is interesting how much we can see of other stories in there and how, you, how many different sort of little motifs we have in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally agree. And... Uh, I particularly liked the evil stepmother queen. She was an interesting one, wasn't she? Because that has become a fictional archetype that's kind of embedded in our culture. And it's from this story. It's from Snow White. This is where the archetype started. We've had unpleasant stepmothers before, but this wicked, murderous stepmother queen, in particular, from the popular imagination, comes from... Snow White. And obviously it was probably amplified by Disney, for sure. Yeah. But this is what you think of when you think of fairy tale villain. Yeah. Yeah. No, so completely. Cool. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's iconic in that way. I am interested in the dwarves. Okay. I would love to know why they set the table for dinner and then go to work. No, no, I don't think that... Uh, oh, what, no, when she arrived. Because she, when she mm. arrived, there was food on the plates. Yeah, you're it right. It makes no sense. Why would you do that? Hang on. <laughs> Plot hole. Plot hole. It's all falling apart. <laughs> why was there already food on their plate? Yeah, why was there food? And why are they drinking wine out of mugs? Maybe they were just going to microwave it later. <laughs> yeah, that's it. 
They, they, the wine needs to breathe a little bit. I get that. <laughs> they are very bourgeois dwarfs. They like to let the tannins mellow in the wine. No, I think that's my new favourite quote. They're very bourgeois dwarfs. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just replaced, is Snow White a shoe? That's my <laughs> favourite quote question, of the episode. <laughs> is she a shoe? You've got to ask these things. Grim reading, getting to the heart of if the matter. If you don't ask, you'll never find out. Yeah. It's always good to ask. So if you've got a question, there's no stupid questions. There's no stupid questions. Here, this is a safe space. <laughs> if you're wondering, is Snow White a shoe? <laughs> you're free to throw that in to the ring. We've been exploring some interesting stuff so far, but um, there are uh, lots of interesting interpretations about this story, Adam. Um, Okay. But um, I've kind of (laughs) I've kind of messed up my notes a little bit because I've I've sort of scheduled that for later in the episode. So in a bit, we're going to be getting into sort of the true meaning of this story. We're going to get down to the heart of the matter. Okay, sounds good. Towards the end of the episode, like what is this story about? Yeah. Do you remember last year we interviewed Harvard professor Maria Tatar? I certainly do remember. At the time, she just released a book on Snow White. And we were like very rude and we were like, please don't talk about that, <laughs> your new book. <laughs> but I have now finally been able to read it. And uh, Maria has, has got some very enlightening and fascinating thoughts on this story book. We're going to dig into that towards the end. You're just teasing that. I'm teasing that. Yeah. Keeping you hooked. Smart, smart. And I'll reel you in later. But one thing of note that Maria explores in the book is that the character in this is called Snow White. Now, as with all the other Brothers Grimm tales in the fairy tale collection, this story is from the oral folktelling tradition. And there are masses of Snow White stories found across the world from the middle east to india china sub-saharan africa australasia where by and large colors aren't mentioned at all okay it's simply about her being beautiful so the being snow white aspect is pretty much from the germanic or like european versions of this story right does that so do you know what atu type this i do yes it's ATU type 709 Snow White. That's the name. Oh, that's the of name the ATU of it. type. Okay. So the ATU category, just real quick for any new listeners, is a system of organizing and categorizing folktale narratives from around the world. So you can kind of compare and contrast them. Yeah. So this one is in type 709 Snow White, where you'll find other Snow White stories. And I'm guessing it's probably because that's the most famous example of this. Yeah, I think quite often the names of the Grimm stories become the name of the category. Yeah. Quite often. Yeah. Now, uh, we've gone very deep there very quick, uh, but for any new listeners, let's take it right back to basics. The Brothers Grimm's Fairy Tales is a published selection of German fairy tales, which the two brothers Grimm collected from oral sources. Mm-hmm. So they didn't write them themselves. They collected these stories, folk stories. Now, 
Of Snow White, the Grimm's collected many, many different versions of the tale. And from all these different sources, they crafted a composite narrative. Right. So the final one we just heard is like a collage of lots of different versions, if that makes sense. Uh, okay, that makes sense. But as well as that, to make it even more confusing, they first published their fairy tale book in 1812. But then, over the preceding decades, they edited and revised their collection, releasing seven editions of the book. As for Snow White, in particular, there are two noteworthy differences from the first to the final edition. Now, the main headline here, Adam, is that in the first edition, it was not the wicked stepmother who was trying to have Snow White killed. It was Snow White's own mother. No way. Yeah. Her own flesh and blood. And as a rule, this is actually normally the case in these stories. Originally, it will be the mother, and then it's only later that they change it to a stepmother. And we've right. actually already had that in Hansel and Gretel. Right, yeah. It comes a stepmom to sort of remove it. Interesting. And then the final difference is the reason Snow White wakes up. So in the very first version, it wasn't just because they tripped while carrying the coffin. It's because he gave her the Heimlich. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that was in the third version. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> no, instead, the servants actually carry the glass coffin very well, and they bring it all the way back to the prince's castle. But okay. when they're there, the prince wants to see Snow White every single second of the day because he really likes her. So oh that means that the servants have to lug the coffin around everywhere that the prince goes in the castle. Right, I'm just popping to the bathroom. Can you... All right, come on. Like, in here, lads. <laughs> now, eventually, the servants are so fed up with this that one of them became angry, opened the coffin lid, lifted Snow White into the air and said... Why must we be plagued with so much work all because of a dead maiden? On saying this, he shoved Snow White with the back of his hand and out popped the nasty piece of apple. <laughs> so, so he effectively <laughs> gave her the Heimlich. I mean, not yeah. quite the Heimlich, but like a patted her on the back. I'm joking. Boom. Oh, yay. That's what I was planning yeah, to do. Yeah, that's what I knew. I knew it. There was a bit of apple there. That's what I was trying to do. So in the first version, we've got Phyllicide. And the lower classes being violent with royalty. All of this was removed or changed, and that is very much in line with what we've seen before. As they revise the stories, they're kind of sanitizing the more unbecoming or radical aspects of the stories. Yeah, yeah although I don't, re I mean, with my modern approach, I wouldn't have said step filicide is much <laughs> yes. better than filicide. Yeah, I think there's a. Th I think that the idea is the Brothers Grimm held, like, motherhood sacred or something. So they didn't yeah, want yeah. to sort of denigrate the office of mother. Whereas the office of mother, <laughs> but, the, but, but stepmom, step all bets are off. That's fine. That's fine. That's totally fine. That's <laughs> totally different story. Roll on. Roll on the murdering your own daughter. Fill your boots, love. Fill your boots. <laughs> and there's one other thing I thought you'd enjoy, Adam. Uh, one of the versions of Snow White that they collected, as I said, they collected loads of different versions, has it that the Wicked Stepmother has a talking dog called Mirror. What? <laughs> no, no. So when no. she says Mirror, Mirror, she's talking to the dog. That's <laughs> so tortured. Why has she got a dog called Mirror? I guess, I'm guessing it's called Mirror, not Mirror, Mirror. <laughs> mirror. Otherwise, yeah. she'd be saying Mirror, 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 Mirror. 
yeah, saying, no, it's one dog called Mirror, and she's saying Mirror, Mirror, on the floor. Who's well, the greatest? Here you go. You're onto it. No, this is the best part oh, because yes. the rhyme goes: Mirror, Mirror, beneath the bench. Look in this land. Look in that land. Who is the fairest in England? What? It's set in England, Adam. No. Yeah. Way. She says, who's the fairest in England? So wait, 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 wait. It's wait, England wait. with a weird spelling as well. But yeah, she says. <laughs> England. England. <laughs> but wait, this is a, this is one of the versions in between the first and the last. No, sorry. So I wasn't very clear there. To, to create their version that they published and then edited, they had masses of other versions. So in the back of their fairy tale book, they had the annotations and they said, we've collected many different versions. Right, 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 right. They actually wrote out loads of them. I'm not go- I didn't want to bore you to death with them all, but this was one that stood out to me. So they said, oh, we found a version where there's a dog called Mirror and the rhyme goes But like was this. that an English version then? No, that was a German version. It was yeah. a, just a, it was a German version, but set in England. That's so strange. So they could well have chosen that version as the main rhyme for their final Snow White story. And then we would know that today as the rhyme. I think it would have been infinitely better as a dog called Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than an actual mirror. Yeah. <laughs> One interesting aspect of Snow White is that many have speculated that Snow White is based on a true story. So, c- come on now. <laughs> Matt, 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 this is yes, getting Adam. out of hand. It this is, is getting out of hand. I love it. First it was Tom Thumb, then it was like, <laughs> whatever it was. What was the next one? Dick Whittington was one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, come on, come on. Yeah, Snow White really happened, didn't it? Snow White happened, Adam. Listen, okay. Jo- let me, let me, let me... <laughs> Present the evidence before you judge. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I will keep an open mind. Our first candidate for the real-life Snow White is a lady named Margaret von Waldeck, or Voldeck, I guess. Okay. In 1994, the German scholar Eckhard Sander wrote a book titled Snow White, colon, Fairy Tale or True Story. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> that, that is, I'm going to buy that if i'm in the bookshop <laughs> yeah. uh, and in it he put that snow white is none other than margaret von voldeck a 16th century noblewoman from a district in hess which is part of germany yep. who okay. was renowned for her beauty and also had a strict stepmother now maria went to the royal court of the holy roman empire where she was then pursued by the son of the legendary Holy Roman Emperor Charles V, because she was so beautiful. Yep. And she was allegedly poisoned. In letters back to her father, we have evidence that her health rapidly deteriorated and she died very quickly at a young age. So it's highly likely that she was poisoned and killed. That's all, you know, fairly Snow Whitey, but the icing on the cake is Sander's argument that the dwarfs in Snow White relate to the fact that the town Margaret was from had lots of mines where children used to work and these children would sleep several in one house in a nearby village 
And that's where the dwarves come from in the story. So they're not dwarves, they're children. And interestingly, today in Germany, that village is still around and it's known as now Sneewitschendorf, Snow White Village. No way. It's actually called that now. Yeah. So they've staked their claim on Snow White. So they think she really was Snow White. Yeah. That's our that's our first candidate. Okay. What are you thinking? It's not bad. It's not, not bad. bad. Yeah. It's got a lot of the key ingredients. Um Okay. Well, okay. Okay, so it's an attractive woman who's got a doesn't get on with her stepmom, lives with seven kids. No, no. 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 <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> okay. Our next candidate. Oh, and final candidate is one Maria Sophia Margareta Katharina von Erthel. Oh, I, that, whoa, I love that name. Born in 1729, in, so quite late, in Lohr am Main, Bavaria, Maria was the daughter of Prince Philip Christoph von Erthel. Now, he remarried a baroness, so Maria had a strict stepmother. That's not especially interesting, but we've got an ace up the sleeve here with this one, Adam. Okay. In the castle where they lived was a mirror that was known as the talking mirror. Okay. <laughs> so you're going to try and tell me there's a talking mirror now? Apparently, its surface was unusually smooth for the time, and therefore <laughs> it spoke the truth because the reflection was more accurate than other mirrors. Right. And also, this brand of mirror was of a particular design which had little aphorisms etched in the frame. Therefore, it talks to you. Okay. That mirror, Adam is still in existence and now on display at the Spessart Museum housed in Law Castle. What? Yeah. Wait, that actual mirror? That actual from mirror. From this house? From that actual house. Did you say Law Castle? Law, yeah, L-O-H-R. Okay. It's in Bavaria. And I saw... So I went, in, I went on the Law Castle website. Yeah. And I saw that likewise there are mines in the surrounding region hence the dwarfs, and also apparently there's lots of orchards and an abundance of deadly nightshade in the area, which they claim accounts for the whole poisoning-y thingy. Okay. And uh, amazingly, Maria's gravestone was discovered in 2019 and is now on display, I believe, in the museum. My favourite part about the website is that it says <laughs> in the opening paragraph on the, on the webpage for this, after years of research and chatting with locals in the pub, Dr. Karl-Heinz Bartels was able to prove conclusively that Snow White came from law. <laughs> so the website for this museum says, after chatting with people in a pub, a doctor was able to conclusively prove. Case closed. Snow White that's, is yeah, from here. That's conclusive, is it? Yeah, he chatted to, to some drunk people in a pub. That's a ballsy museum. That is so bold. Yeah. yeah. So all these places want a piece of the Snow White pie. Yeah, they do. What are you thinking? I'm thinking of Snow White pie. How's the jury? Are you convinced? How's the jury? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to hear the um, case against? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. Well, somewhat damningly, as already alluded to, there are Snow White type folk stories found all over the world this is what i was gonna say it doesn't make sense especially when we're talking like mid 1700s exactly like, yeah which was pretty much 
not that long before the Brothers Grimm wrote the story. Exactly. Yeah. So perhaps, with that in mind, perhaps it's better to think of what happens in Snow White, not as a single real-life event or a person, but that the Snow White story captures facets of generic human experience. Yeah. So it's like speaks of, of universal social dynamics. So, like, of course, we'll find instances that look like Snow White in real life because Snow White is talking about society, but it's not yeah, like yeah, a yeah. legend. Well, that's very much like speaking to polygenesis rather than monogenesis, isn't oh, it? Oh, we're going deep. Oh, it's deep. We've <laughs> talked about it before in the past, but is that not the case, isn't it? That's the whole idea of polygenesis is that there are universal human truths. Yeah. Therefore just because in this part of the world there's a story and in this other part of the world there's a very similar story doesn't mean they came from the same one it's just yeah that's that's life so perhaps what we can say is that snow white folktales will be infused with some local flavor they'll pick up a part of the culture in which they're being told or recycled so for example sometimes snow white folktales the dwarves are dragons in one example or robbers in there another are example. Dragons. There are dragons. I can't remember what that was from, but uh, the the girl stays with a ha- in a house full of robbers in a uh, African one. I read a West African one. Oh, that's great. And often it's not a mirror; it's the sun or the moon or a fish. I love the dog though. <laughs> <laughs> or a dog. So perhaps in the grim version, the dwarves in the mine are the children of Snivitschendorf, or the mirror detail is from that Bavarian castle. But those are just details. They're not fundamental sure. to the story, right? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, You're not going to see them necessarily elsewhere in the ATU type. Exactly. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to where we go. So I guess we can probably... I mean, the people of those towns are not going to be happy if we... if we, Because uh, this is official, what we declare now, Adam. Oh, I see, yeah. Who's the winner, or are neither of them winners? They're probably on tenterhooks right now. What what is going to be the verdict? Adam, Margaret von Weldeck, or Maria Sophia Margaretha Katharina von Erfel, or neither. What are you going to say? Oh, this is a lot of pressure you put on me, Matt. And I was just in for a fun evening of uh, fairy tale chat, and now suddenly you've got the local economy of those two towns. <laughs> I, I the don't tourist, want that um, on my revenue. conscience. On your conscience. <laughs> <laughs> um, Where's the hammer going to fall? I'm going to say neither. Brutal. That is brutal, isn't it? I feel like it's the fairest way. <laughs> but accurate. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You're a harsh, 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 harsh Sorry, man. Guys, you wow. should diversify. <laughs> <laughs> well, one real life connection to Snow White that is interesting. Um, okay. Not that those weren't interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are boring. Come on, man. That was a waste of 10 minutes. You could do something interesting. Um, is to, surprisingly, Alan Turing. Oh, yeah. The famous mathematician, grandfather of the modern computer, and breaker of the Nazi Enigma code with his team. You know Alan Turing. Who doesn't, right? Who doesn't? Benedict Cumberbatch, right? No. Am I right? No, that was a movie. (laughs) No, that's real life. That's what I saw. It's a documentary. Okay, so if you don't know Alan Turing, just picture Benedict Cumberbatch. (laughs) So, um, Alan Turing, uh, you, you do know Alan Turing, right? No, obviously, I am okay. joking. Right, I know okay. Alan Turing. Well, yeah. then I guess you probably know he took his own life in 1954 after he was convicted by a British court for basically being homosexual. 
and subse- yeah, subsequently took his life. And it's actually only in recent years that I believe the Queen has apologised on behalf of the government for that. He received an official apology from the British government in 2009 and a royal pardon in 2013. 2013, that's yeah. just horrible. Shocking. Absolutely awful. shocking. And like a legitimate national hero. Yeah. like Well, international hero, really. If you think about the impact of his work yeah. yeah he also worked on ai as well it's kind of incredible wow what he was involved oh yeah in. well the famously the turing test yeah yeah well the circumstances around his death are actually a little bit unclear i've discovered um mm-hmm. but basically he died of cyanide poisoning yes and next to him was a half-eaten apple oh now his favorite fairy tale was snow white and he particularly liked the scene in the Disney movie. This is like coming from people who knew him. He particularly liked the scene in the Disney movie where you watch the queen making the poisoned apple. And apparently he would often repeat the line, dip the apple in the brew, let the sleeping death seep through, which is from the Disney film. Wow. So he kind of staged his suicide around the Snow White poisoned apple. Which is kind that's of mad. It is mad, and that's that. I'm not making that up. So is is the suggestion then that he's just staged it like that, or he actually may have used hmm. the apple? It's a bit of macabre detail, but the apple is a delivery device for the cyanide. I don't know. I didn't go into it too much, but I I think what I understand is how it was dealt with when he was found was yeah very bad. Like, sure. So they didn't take certain samples. They didn't do what you're meant to do. So actually there is doubt about how he died or the cause of his death and perhaps even suggestions that he may not have meant to kill himself. But we just don't have enough information because mm. it was handled so poorly at the time. That's awful. But, but um, fascinating. Yeah. So look out for that line in the Disney film when we watch that. Yeah, Absolutely but not depicted in the imitation game. <laughs> we, were, we were all picturing Benedict Cumberbatch, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Is it? No, it's not score time, Adam, because I have prepared so much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got? Right, well, so as promised, we finally got there, Adam. What on earth is Snow White all about? What is this story we find popping up throughout time and history? What does it mean? What is it telling us? Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah, you are, you are going to answer your own question there. <laughs> I think it's an elaborate piece of propaganda by the anti-Apple <laughs> organisation. The anti-Apple organisation? <laughs> you know the one. The AAO? Yeah. yeah. Citrus fruit lobby. Wait, no, they're, they're a different wing. Oh, yeah, sorry, I'm getting okay. confused. Getting my conspiracies confused. It's not that, is it? I'm guessing it's not that. <laughs> well, I think, you know, there's... I mean, there's so much going on in it. You know, there's stuff around... Definitely, you know, they're quite simplistic morals, obviously, of like, uh, don't kill your children. and uh, Yeah, that's and pretty basic, yeah. Girls tidy the house, good girls tidy the house and are modest and whatever and all that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in there about vanity. 
the, the evil queen is is being vain, and that's yeah. what's sort of driving her evil. But what's interesting as well is that sort of Snow White is not uh, immune to that as well, because part of her downfall is her desire for like a comb and a new dress. And then obviously we have the apple, which is highly symbolic that she bites. So she's not immune to the same vices as her stepmother. So I think there's something interesting there. Yeah. And then perhaps as well, again, we have the story about a girl reaching womanhood. Right, so her time with the dwarves is like her innocent adolescence, and then she takes a bite of the apple, which leads her to a new existence as a married woman where she's woken up, as we saw in Sleeping Beauty. And in that respect, it's a story for kids that's sort of playing on and soothing fears around growing up. And uh, similarly, for adults listening, there's stuff in there about aging and mortality. The mirror is reflecting your beauty and power, but it's also a reminder of your temporality in some ways. Because she's, it takes a while, but mm. eventually she gets knocked down into second place. Yeah, exactly. Well, so last year we interviewed Maria Tatar, as mentioned, and uh, she's released a book on Snow White, which is called The Fairest of Them All. And in it, she has a, she presents quite an interesting argument about what's going on in this story. Well, first of all, she would suggest that it would be better to call this folktale type rather than like 80 you have it as Snow White. She would suggest it would be better to call it the fairest of them all or the beautiful girl. Interesting. Because, well, first of all, you know, it's meant to be an international catalogue of stories, but the Snow White aspect isn't present in a lot of stories around the world that's quite a eurocentric side of the story yeah and also because she argues that the heart of the story is a rivalry a beauty contest between a mother and a daughter throughout all the versions around the world you'll find that that is the one enduring theme a mother is threatened by the beauty of her daughter and tries to kill her wow that's like the essence of this story. Yeah. So like the, he- yeah. the helpers, the poisoning, the enchanted sleep, they're all, they're all important elements that do distinguish yeah. it as a, as a tale type. But what really separates it from like Sleeping Beauty or Rapunzel, say, is that it's about a rivalry between a mother and a daughter. Maria writes that these Snow White stories reflect some kind of recurring psychological complications in the mother-daughter relationship culturally specific in the details but with nearly universal features at its core in the book maria writes that the idea that there's a dark side to the mother-daughter relationship is something of a taboo in our society so this story gives us the opportunity to speak about and process unpleasant feelings that aren't socially acceptable yeah so that that's kind of her her argument what do you reckon interesting yeah it's quite dark isn't it it is <laughs> yeah it's pretty dark stuff it's really dark another interesting point is that even though it becomes a stepmother in the story there's this idea that it really is still the mother and by having the stepmother character they can kind of absorb the animosity children feel towards their real mother you have this like mother split between the real perfect wonderful mum and the evil yeah. stepmom. Yeah, but they're yeah, kind yeah. of they're flip sides of the same coin. They're the same mother figure. It's still the yeah the matriarch in your life. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. When you tie all that in with the kind of the vanity aspects and the mortality themes, there's this interesting idea that we can see how this story is a cycle that repeats itself. 
So Snow White will grow up, become the queen, and then have children, and one day she'll be in the same position as the mother figure in this story. So despite it having a happy ending, Maria says in her book that the paradox of Snow White is that this aspect is unresolved. I like the idea of a sort of cyclical... Yeah. Snow White, yeah. That's quite cool. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Very interesting. I guess neither of us are best placed to... As we are neither mothers nor daughters of anyone. We're not the best people to talk about this, but... Don't have much insight yet. But I, I, to me, that really rings true, and I think it probably cuts to the heart of the story. It, it's not teaching us anything or moralising. Like just as a folk story, it's dealing with something taboo. It's about yeah. the darker side of uh, the mother-daughter relationship, as well as thinking about ageing and death as well. It's nice, happy stuff. Still, it's really dark. <laughs> And I don't like the idea that that that's naturally what's going to happen, you know, that as a parent, you'll naturally grow to resent your own children. Mm. I hope that's not true. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's just a bleak outlook on the world. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think it's necessarily saying, like, that is what happens between mothers and daughters. It's sort of saying... It's sort of just exploring perhaps slightly complex, difficult feelings you might have within that yeah. relationship. Yeah. That's it, yeah. I'm on board. You've sold me. Okay. There you go. That's all I got. <laughs> That's it. That's all. No, that is a lot to take in. It's uh, lots of different themes, quite a rich story, quite a rich history. Is it school time? Definitely. So this is is, uh, the part of the podcast where Matt and I get to the sort of review element of our podcast and give each story we read a sort of arbitrary score out of 10, leading to... A total score between us out of 20. Mm. Um, well, Adam's up first, so what do you reckon? Oh, boy. I mean, where do you start? <laughs> <laughs> well, one place we could start is, uh, did you enjoy it, I guess? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's another famous Disney one, but again, I maybe had a sort of memories of a, like a few, a small handful of key moments. I, I wouldn't say I really knew the story. But in a way, it, it's sort of not that far away from what I knew. Mm-hmm. Apart yeah. from a few surprises in there, it's actually, it's all there, isn't it? Yeah. So it wasn't as surprising as other stories which I felt I already knew that we've already covered, I think. That's true, yeah. Yeah, things like Rapunzel was full of more surprises. Yeah, totally. Like the fact that she was pregnant and... Uh, Named after a salad and all that. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas this one was kind of pretty much what you expected. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. But I enjoyed the story. Seven dwarfs there. They were good. They were pretty cool, weren't they? I like those guys. I enjoy all the stuff with the mirror, the apple, sort of uh, assassination attempts. And the absolutely insane ending. <laughs> that was unexpected. Yeah, that was unexpected. 
That's going to bring it up. That's going <laughs> to bring it up, I think. <laughs> I think. I. Okay, my instinct. I've got an instinct. I've got a number. Okay. Got a number. All right. Talk to me. 7.5. Ooh, okay. Okay. Now, I'd say <laughs> that is surprisingly low, potentially, uh, historically, for these big famous ones. You weren't weren't as taken with it as some other ones. I was toying between that and an eight. Well, it's still a good score, seven point five. It's still a good score, isn't yeah, it? Definitely. Yeah. Go on, I'm all I'm all ears for your verdict. Yeah. Okay. I was kind of curious to see what you would think because uh, I wasn't a hundred percent sure either. As we said earlier, it's kind of it's got everything there. It's got all the ingredients in it. Big proper yeah. classic fairy tale. It's got this cool yeah. wicked queen. Seven Dwarves are great, and we've got a horrendous, <laughs> violent ending, which <laughs> yeah, is always is good. Um, but I don't think I enjoyed it as much as, say, Rapunzel, Yeah, which I really liked. And, like, Rapunzel was kind of about, like, sexual awakening, whereas this is perhaps a little more unpleasant, really, if you really think about it. Like, you have this yeah. mother trying to kill her daughter, and then... You know, it, it might be like exploring the idea of beauty, but it also feels like it's like reinforcing quite unpleasant values about a woman's worth being in her beauty and stuff like that. Like, which yeah, of course, exactly. I think we can't really get away from. No, but it's still really good fun. The story, so uh, yeah. I was thinking around an eight. Okay, that's not too far away from me. I think I'm going to go eight for Snow White. Okay. I think it deserves. It. I think it's. Uh, it's a big proper adventure, which is always fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm going to give one point for each dwarf and an extra point for Snow White. So that's eight points. Good scoring. Thanks, man. No, <laughs> no points for the prince. No points for the prince. No points for the evil stepmom. Oh, no. No. Wait, hang on. <laughs> I like her. No, one point for her. Snow White loses a point. And no points for Snow White. She's just a little seven-year-old who doesn't really do anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Just wants enough. a comb. No points, just apple. wants a comb. <laughs> wow, okay. So, what what does that mean, Adam? What score has she got? I think that means if you've given an 8, I've given a 7.5. That is a 15.5 out of 20. Well, I th- I th- we've, uh, we've reached the end of, of Series 3, Adam. We've had a lot of fun. We have had a lot of fun. We've heard some amazing stories. We've met Puss in Boots. We've met oh, Mother yeah. Hole. It's a highlight for me. The yeah. uh, Dick Whittington. Dick Whittington, the Frog Prince King. That was that was good. Was that even this series? That was the opening episode of the series. My it's word. been a long series. It's been really long. <laughs> yeah, it's been an absolute delight. But one short summer breakaway, and I'm really looking forward to uh, series four. Adam, if I wanted to carry on hearing Grim Reading, if I can't wait for Series 4, probably starting next autumn, is there anything I can do? You're a bit impatient, aren't you? I guess there's there's one thing you could oh, do. Yeah? If you're oh, really yeah. suffering, you're really yeah, yeah, yeah. going through withdrawal. Oh, I will be. Grim Reading withdrawals. Yeah. There's only another podcast that we do. Oh, what? Grim Fables. <laughs> Available on our Patreon. Yeah, no way. Just go to <laughs> patreon.com slash grimreading and become a patron for 
$5 a month or more, and you can listen to our exclusive Patreon-only monthly podcast, Grim Fables, where we talk about some extra bits and pieces from the world of the Brothers Grimm, and I read you several of Aesop's fables, and we rate and review those as well. That sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> and will you be carrying on doing those over the summer? I think I plan to. Brilliant. Me too. <laughs> well... <laughs> that's good that you plan to as well wow okay great so yeah we're going to be around hanging out in grim fables so uh if you want more grim reading sign up and become a patron but otherwise it's been an absolute blast this series we will see you again towards the end of the year for another series jam-packed with brothers grim stories i honestly can't wait but until then keep it grim Give it a grip. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how, and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim.